Welcome to the Wolf Podcast, the podcast about women I like to follow. I'm Tess, one of your hosts. And I am Amy, the other one. Wow! Here we are, episode five. We've, we're really doing it. We've launched. Before, for, full, for four whole episodes, we were doing this just for us. Into the ether. Um, but we have, we've gone live. Yeah, we've heard from a number of you that you've enjoyed listening. It's been really sweet to get texts from people saying they actually listened to the episodes and Ooh. had a good time. Yes, we're loving that feedback. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, it feels cool. For making this an actual thing and not just a thing. Yeah, if doing... people make a podcast and nobody's around to hear it, did it make a difference? Is it, is it even... Are we even millennials? Indeed. Uh So, yes, thank you. If you uh, are just finding us, go ahead and subscribe and leave a a rating. I think you're supposed to ask people to do that. But also, we have a website. Yes, wilfpodcast.com. Yeah. And we are on Instagram, which is probably how you knew about us. At At wilfpodcast. It's all pretty streamlined, name-wise. Yeah. Probably because we were only competing with people whose names are Wilfred. It's true. We did discover that pretty late in the game, that other people had podcasts with the name Wilf in them, but it's all all nicknames. But this is a truly original concept, so... It is. Although, we, although the material itself is not original. Very because. derivative. <laughs> very derivative. But our hot takes and our cold takes are original. Yes. Our tepid takes. Yeah. So to start out, let's do a little check-in. Yeah. I, don't have, I was about to use a nickname for you, but I don't have any nicknames for you. We don't. We 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 call each other by our names. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So what? Check check in with me. All right, Murgatroyd. Uh, <laughs> what is something you wish was never invented? Oh boy, something that's hard. Maybe we should ask these questions before we start recording, so we Maybe. have a second to think. Uh, something I wish was never invented. Um, what do I hate? is a good way for me to come at this um uh uh oh we were talking about it yesterday oh we were the the kim k body makeup oh perfect (laughs) topical yes i came into the room yesterday after um seeing on instagram about kim kardashian's new line of body makeup and skin Body, body making and shapewear. Uh, but she called it solution wear because your body is a problem. <laughs> yeah, your body needs solvent, girl. <laughs> um, and I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't follow Kim Kardashian. I am not. I can't really speak to her presence in the world. Or yeah, what, I haven't kept up. What's good? I don't keep up. Uh, what's good or bad about her? But I can say body makeup is bad. Yeah. Body makeup is bad. There's so many things wrong with it. The idea that your legs need to look all one smooth skin tone. As someone with freckles, I find that discriminatory and cruel. (laughs) Um, Also that, like, you're just to be looked at. Yeah. Like, every part of your body is to be... beholded mm-hmm. not to you know sit stand walk run because I, my, I assume your makeup's gonna get smeary and runny if yeah. you do all that stuff I thought that was a very good complaint which yeah. is you said your least favorite part of wearing makeup is feeling like you can't touch your face yeah. I do like face makeup on occasion I do not wear it daily but when I have a special event I like the process of putting on makeup uh just to change to feel like I'm doing something special uh so change my attitude I just realized the people who started and popularized body makeup the blue men group (laughs) you know what respect I get it um how modern frankly I feel like Kim is uh she's appropriating blue man culture (laughs) and this needs to be discussed I just I, I mean I have nothing shocking to say other than I don't need that I don't need it and I don't want it but if I I do get sort of enamored 
with how fun makeup applicators look and how well they're packaged. I'm very... You mean the objects themselves, not the people who are applying it? Yeah, the objects themselves. If I'm in a store and I see like a fun compact or something, I'm like, oh, I want that because it's a fun little contraption. You did once buy that that blueberry face lotion. Oh, yeah. Because of the packaging, right? Yeah, because it came with a fun applicator. I've bought more from that brand (laughs) since and haven't told you. (laughs) Because all the applicators are so fun. Yes to blueberries. Yes to cucumbers. Yes to charcoal. (laughs) Um, so I do feel like I could fall prey to something like body makeup just because I think it looks so Mm. interesting, but I, I'm saying now, never, now, now and never and never and now, and I know how I'll feel forever and forever. I will feel like no, no to body makeup. Noted. I want to check in with you. Okay. Uh, trebuchet. That's me and my favorite font. <laughs> uh, I would like to know that if you could receive tickets to any performance that you've never seen before, what would you choose? Wow. Yes. I've already seen Seinfeld live. I know. And I've seen improvised Seinfeld live. Yeah. It and was I've very seen, good. Yeah. And I've seen Gary Gullman live. And we just saw Hannah Gadsby, which was great. Yep. Okay. Tickets. I don't care about Hamilton. Woo. <laughs> um, I guess I would be interested in seeing a Beyonce concert, a Beyoncert. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, oh, the Kennedy Center honors, and you would be my plus one. <laughs> yes, you just, I mean, you stole that from me, <coughs> and I feel like you're appropriating my personality. Uh-huh. But I love the Kennedy Center honors, and I would go with you in a hot second. And if anyone has an in on Kennedy Center honor tickets or the Mark Twain Award. And... Oh yes, that would be great. Let's uh, let's combine it. Let's make it the Kennedy Center where Beyonce is being honored. Stop it! I, I can't. I, it but will this, be so powerful. What's the one that you're most excited about, Queen Latifah? <laughs> I, I realized last year that probably one day there will be a a, uh, a Kennedy Center honors where Queen Latifah is honored, and I gave myself goosebumps thinking mm. about it. Because she's a woman, I don't know a ton about Queen Latifah, but I know that she's a glass ceiling breaking, groundbreaking, she's breaking up and down, <laughs> <Up> and down. <laughs> woman in the world of hip hop, in acting, in television, living single, in movies, last holiday. Um, Did you say Just Right, the one where she's a physical therapist who falls in love with Common? Oh, it's uh, so good. You know, I have an interesting... Uh, relationship with Just Right, which is that I saw the trailers. I was like, I really want to see that. And then I didn't see it until I was on a plane to my study abroad in Greece on a really old plane that didn't have like very good spacing of TVs. So it was really far away and the color was off and there were two Greek women sitting on their knees talking over the seat in front of me. Oh. Um, that sounds truly hellish. And there weren't headphones. Oh, it was God. just out loud. When and was so this? 1985? I didn't... I, I saw it, but I, it was like in a upside down world where right. nothing made sense. Right. I would... Well, let's watch it. Uh, let's... Pl- please. Yes. New answer. Ask me the question again because I have the perfect answer. Perfect. If you could receive tickets to any performance you've never seen, what would you choose? My funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Uh, to uh, my own death? Oh. No, the top, the, we talked about Tom Oh, that's Sawyer's right, right, with the hamster. Yeah. Yeah, episode four, hear all about that hamster journey. No, that was episode three. It's already out. Oh, it's episode three. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm assuming my funeral will be a performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, and since I am writing my own will right now, I will write that into my will. <laughs> um, great. Well, we're, we've, we're all checked in. Now it's yeah, time for the appointment. You, okay. So, um... This week in in the world of Wilfs, uh, when Cheryl Strayed was the guest on uh, Oprah's Super Soul Sunday podcast, which in which they played a talk she did at some Oprah event sometime in the past. Indeed, it was about twenty five minutes long. I listened to it while I was cooking. Uh, it was uh, the title of the talk was "The Humble Journey to Greatness," and. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I I liked a lot of what she had to say. And I, I like Cheryl Strait a lot. As whenever I've read something, I'm like, that's incredibly insightful. And she has such a, a direct line through 
the like bullshit of a lot of I think self-help columns and advice columns that just feels like oh you're saying something actually useful or or honest I think it she feels very honest that sort of brutally honest sometimes um I did notice I didn't think she had the like the she's not a she's not a youth minister like mm, Glennon and Brene yeah. and Elizabeth <laughs> where they have this sort of folksy charm yeah, I about how they speak in crowds it was just I think she's a more introverted person yeah I think so I think so as well what I noticed is there wasn't anything particularly new about mm-hmm. it and nothing even the the title I had a hard time remembering it because it's somewhat generic mm-hmm. um and and I liked it I like I always like hearing more about Wilf's backstories and she spends quite a bit of time talking about the process of writing wild Mm-hmm. Um, and writing her first book, Torch. I guess that's what she talks about. Yeah. Um, and how she and her husband had to kind of change around their... We have... Mm, Ralphie. We have not figured out how to not have Ralphie be a contributor. So if you're listening still, thank you for your patience. Uh I'm sorry. Ralphie did get a new collar this week, so that's exciting. It doesn't fit. Oh. I know. Even the harness one? No, that does. Oh, okay, good. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so she she and her husband moved to New England so that she could focus on her work, um, and they decided to go into credit card debt. He would work a job. They'd go into debt. She would work on this book, and she this great American novel that she had hoped to write for her whole life, and it just Mm -hmm. wasn't coming out. She would procrastinate by watching different TV shows and they were thinking about having a baby and um, eventually she gets to the point of like you just have to sit down and do it you have to what did you write surrender yeah she says uh, surrender to your own mediocrity right that, there were a few lines that I wrote down that I was she said the, the the unspoken subtitle of her talk was don't let your dreams ruin your life yeah I think that's Seeing that written down, which she suggested would make a good bumper sticker, mm-hmm. um, that is actually very similar to what I've been thinking about recently, that I don't I don't need to be the best person at my job, mm-hmm. or the best at improv, or the best at what I do, the best at this podcast. <laughs> um, I just need to do... I mean, you got pretty <laughs> stiff competition to <laughs> be the best at this Ralphie. podcast. Um, Ralphie's outshining us all. Indeed. Oh, he's licking that couch. Um <laughs> Uh, it's like, what's on there, you know? It's just my feet that's sitting on there usually. Anyway. Uh, anxious boy. I don't need to be the best person at my job. I just need to be continually working mm-hmm. at myself, at my job, with the people I work with. Um, and that striving for the best, you will always end up falling short. Always. Yeah. And and you'll, you will cripple yourself. You'll, you will be so overwhelmed by your own expectations that you will often avoid even trying. Yeah, and that actually relates yeah, relates to my, my Cheryl Strayed most induced event of my life, which uh-huh. was going on the Appalachian Trail. She and I, turns out, hiked very similar amounts. She Ooh. hiked on the PCT. I hiked on the, AC, the AT. I had thought this whole time that she had done the whole PCT. She didn't. She did about half. I did about half of the AT. <laughs> Uh, so I truly was inspired by her. That was a common question. People would be like, oh, are you, were you inspired by Wild? And the answer was partially yes. Yeah. Um, but I did have this idea. I was going to beat the whole thing. I was going to win at the trail. I was going to not get injured. I was going to finish it in the appropriate amount of time, uh, like six months. I was going to make a lot of friends. And it just, it didn't work out that way. I pushed my miles too fast and I literally did cripple myself for two weeks. I mm-hmm. had to take time off about a month in. I had to take time off. I took two weeks off and rested in Durham. Actually, I read her first book during that hiatus. I read Torch d- nice. during that time, um, which is good. And uh, and eventually, when I left the trail two months later, after walking 900 miles, I was like, oh, my God, I failed. I didn't do the perfect trail. I'm never going to be able to do the perfect trail. And it like kind of shackled me for like two and a half days then I was like oh I think I've already talked about this on the podcast but I think you did when more when we were just practicing oh. before anything went <laughs> but went it, live I did I did feel shackled by this this should mm-hmm. and then I realized like you know what we're gonna do most things half-assed <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm 28 and I haven't had a, a long-term serious relationship and that's fine a lot of people are in a similar boat 
I think, but I think it's interesting. Like, I mean, I think it's admirable that that only got you down for two and a half days. But yeah. I would say I bounce back that away. you still framed it the same way as a failure, even when I moved in here. Yeah, I guess I did. Which I, I, in my mind, in my like context of not being an extreme anything, <laughs> um, not being into marathons or, or feats of magnitude, you know, mm-hmm. I, 900 miles is unthink is it would be an unthinkable success, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think it's all, I mean, part of it is perspective, but part of it, I think, is what you expect from yourself. Yes. Like, I do not expect myself to walk more than, if I walk more than three miles in a day, I'm like, holy crap, and I yesterday, never stopped walking. You walked over five. <laughs> I did, and I was very tired and whining yeah. at the end of the day. But I think, um, you're right. if it you is... expect yourself to walk twice that amount in six months, then you've, you haven't met your own expectation, and that is a even if it's not socially a failure, feels internally like a failure. Yeah. But the, um, if perfection is a goalpost that keeps moving, mediocrity, I feel like, is a shallow pool that we can like swim around in comfortably. <laughs> With a deep end. Maybe there's a deep end, but you can touch the bottom. It's not one of those 15... I've gone off the deep end it's of not, mediocrity. not one of those 15-foot diving pools where your ears hurt at the bottom. It's just like deep. You can get there. One of the things that really stood out to me about her talk, which is something that's come up with Liz Gilbert a lot, which I I find really interesting, is they talk about writing in their life as this like constant companion and this constant drive. They seem to be very much kindred in this idea of like, I always had writing. I right. always knew I wanted to write. No matter where I was or what was going on in my life, I could write. They both have very clear origin stories. Yeah. Of when they decided to be writers. And it's both very young for both of them. And yeah, she talks about, um, she literally said, writing was always there for me. And I I find that really, I find it really challenging. Because I'm a writer. I consider myself a writer. I have written a full book of poetry. I would like to write a full book of fiction. I would also like to write a substantial amount of nonfiction comedy that I perform. Like, I like how I write and I like what I write. But I don't often feel that writing is a solace to me or a companion of any sort. It's just... It's something I like to do and I can do, but I don't have a lot of internal drive to do when nothing else is going on. Yeah, I when I agree. I have also written some things and want to write more. And when she describes how she was waiting tables and she'd come home to write in the book, uh, I guess in Wild she talks about, no, it was in Dear Sugar, one of her advice column responses. She talks about just like how how she committed herself, like, wait tables in the day, right at night, just mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Everything she met and encountered was material for her work. Um, and I've never felt that driven to do anything. No. Um, and I, Liz Gilbert talks about this in her super soul, that, like, she used to espouse, like, passion, ha- passion follow it no matter what, like, forget the rest of your life. And now she's like, follow your curiosity. Yeah. Um, Which I really appreciate and is sort of how I I combat this feeling of inadequacy when I hear writers talk about, like, I could always write. Two hours a day. And and there's never, like, I never, like, thought I wanted to be anything but a writer. And they even make the struggle sound glorious. Yeah. yeah. uh, They make how hard it is sound sort of. Yeah. yeah, Wrestling with the characters and you go to sleep. An act of valor. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, doing the work. Yeah. And I often find... Uh, I write when I when I have some reason to. Yep. Usually an assignment, um, from someone outside of myself. And but I would like to still consider myself a writer and someone who loves writing. And it's hard to not like to disqualify myself when I hear very passionate. Right. And people. then if you take that label onto yourself, or you, do you then like punish yourself if you're not currently writing? Like right. it's yeah. it's a you have to hold it hold it lightly, but comfortably something like that i do think this is gonna sound real cheesy real woo woo this is gonna be real woo woo i'm not quite writing to love or a dead person but it's similar 
like, I would say probably a handful of times in the past two years since Donald Trump has been president. I regret saying his name on this podcast. I regret it. Okay, that'll be the only time. <laughs> now we know. And we <laughs> cannot say it. Um, but I found that uh, I... There was also other stuff happening in my personal life of... Um, where I was just really angry a lot of the time and I was overwhelmed like fluctuating between just outrage and rage rage and outrage and enrage <laughs> and then well if depression is anger turned toward turned inward which is sometimes called then enrage yes uh, <laughs> but like really feeling dejected and like oh these are insurmountable problems in the world and I don't know how to feel hopeful about it and sort of just fluctuating between these two really extreme emotional states that were both felt incredibly negative and unproductive and just like trapped me inside my own head. And was writing helpful in that time? Yeah, there was like about, uh, yeah, like I would say, only about five times where I'd go on a walk and I wouldn't, I would have some sort of persistent complaint in my mind and by the time I got back I was like I'm going to write a stream of consciousness poem about this wow it probably won't be it never only one was when I edited enough to let other people read but for the most part it was just like I want to find an articulate and uh graspable way to consider yeah something I like one of the reasons I love poetry is it I think it has a, a hyper clarity uh, that you have said something in a in extremely in a with a precision like a surgical precision that so that it is both shocking and recognizable. It is you need to think. Oh, I know that feeling. This is said in a new way I've never heard before. And I will not say that any of these poems reached that echelon of <laughs> poetic ideal. But it was just sort of like I want to stop turning over this thought. I yeah. want to try to say it right and get it out of my head. And when you did write it out, did it, was there relief? Yeah, I don't, I, I didn't stop being angry or, or dejected. Yeah. Um, but it did kind of stop the really persistent, like, needing to yell at someone about uh-huh. it, needing to, to t- go on a tirade, feeling like I had found the right way to express it in case it came up. Mm-hmm. I was no longer crafting my argument. I had it had a fairly organized idea down somewhere that was helpful yeah that's that's a good tip yeah which is also i will say i'm not sure i wrote this down but a a fit like that is what helped me decide to go to grad school oh i listened to a podcast where they're talking about sorry this is such a long personal story um I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about the best original cast member from saturday night live uh, from the first season and they were debating the merits about all the different cast members and they talked for a full half hour about Dan Aykroyd they gave him so long <laughs> and then their and that is eventually who they chose their runner-up was Gilda Radner they talked about her for probably five minutes and what was the one thing they kept saying about her and the one thing they kept saying about her was you couldn't help but fall in love with her and I was so angry. I don't even know enough about Gilda Radner to like make this argument, though I did watch the documentary about her last year. But I was so mad that they described Dan Aykroyd as having this genius mind for comedy of inventing a new way of like playing to the height of your intelligence where you're a plumber that's extremely knowledgeable and confident about plumbing. You're not just a doofus, you know? He, yeah. They credited him with that type of comedy and they talked so much about his choices and they talked about Gilda Radner as an object as an object yeah they said she was great at playing (laughs) playing girlfriends they said that sentence but they also but they didn't credit her with any choices they didn't give her any agency in her incredible career and talent and skill I was like, that was her job, and she was great at it. She was one of the best. And sure, she was incredibly charming, and maybe you couldn't help but fall in love with her. But that's not how you talk about how someone does their job. Right. 
And I got, I couldn't, I was like, I don't even know enough about Gilda Radner to be this angry. And I couldn't stop thinking about it for a full, like, 24 hours. I wanted to talk to everyone about so it. So how did this lead to grad school choice? I thought, I was trying, I was thinking about grad school at the time, and I was like, what would I even study? And I realized, I will never get tired of making this argument. I will never hmm. get tired of trying to... This is something that a poem won't solve. Oh. Like, this is something that where and I'm going to be... solution where won't solve it either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no body makeup will cover up this blemish. <laughs> but I was like, I won't... I will not capture the right way to express this until I have a lot more to say. Yeah. And then I'm, I want to say it really well. Yes. And so that I felt like, oh, if I can find a program where by the end of it I can write a thesis about the choices women make when they do comedy, um, I could I could sustain that. Yeah. And so I, then I started applying. So their writing was your, your helpful companion. Yes. That, that went on a left turn. But yes, it was writing, writing and then realizing, like, I'm going to need to know a lot more before I write about this. Help me make some choices. Yeah. Um, so I will... Oh, I, tirade. I'm uh, sweaty now. Gotta write a poem about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so I, I enjoyed the Cheryl Strayed thing. I, I wouldn't, like, urgently recommend it. No, I think... I would say read her books instead. I think so, too. I think she has a lot of great things to yeah. say. In general, every time she speaks, she says something profound. I have a feeling that she is even more uh, compelling in person. Oh, uh, like yeah. a one-on-one -on -one conversation with her would be very oh, intimate. If I could get her personal advice straight to my face. Mm, just in the face hole? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll leave you with surrender to your own mediocrity. and Don't let your dreams, dreams ruin your life. Yeah. Don't do it. Uh... But do the stuff you want to do anyway. Yeah. So let's turn to our Wilfs, at Wilfs, our Wilfs online. Yes, yes. Um, let's check out what, well, first of all, big ups to Wilf, Abby Wambach, and future Wilf, perhaps, Megan Rapino, depending I on what kind of. Megan Rapino, but she needs to write some stuff. Yeah, so that we can talk about her more because her presence so far is just her excellence on the field. <laughs> well, and her outspoken. Oh yes, political. Yes, uh, but yeah. Her statements and way to go, U.S. Women's National Team yes. for winning the World Cup. I had the thought today that I would love to see a women's soccer game in person, and I've never had that urge before. Oh, I have been to see a Carolina Courage oh. game with our friend Brandon Holmes, <laughs> our friend Brene Brown. <laughs> it was very exciting, and uh, yeah, I think you'd have a good time. Also, I don't, I'm, sh I don't know if you saw this. Uh, if anyone followed the World Cup, you probably know that when they won, a huge section of the audience started chanting equal pay. Really? Yes. Very cool. Like, very audibly. Nice. Like, that's a that's a great sports team that can inspire... Uh, the language of collective action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the... Oh, I was going to say, let's go see the Philadelphia Independents, but they were closed in 2012, so... Oh. But, that's... you know, I'd travel a little bit. I'd go to New York or D.C. or something. Yeah. Um, all right, let's check in with old Lizzie G. Um, so Elizabeth Gilbert had a very exciting post to me this week. It is a picture of a television screen <laughs> featuring a, uh, a screenshot of a TV someone image. else whose Kennedy Center honor I would love to see and would weep about. Uh, would you weep or would you whoop? Oh, we're talking about Whoopi Goldberg. That's right. Elizabeth Gilbert took a screenshot of Whoopi Goldberg recommending City of Girls on her, the talk show she's on, The View. Yes. And she writes, thank you, dear Whoopi Goldberg, for recommending, <laughs> recommending City of Girls. She always puts it in all caps. So warmly today on The View. You took me by surprise. I'm so delighted that you loved the book. You made my day. Gratefully yours, LG. Uh, we're all gratefully Whoopies. So my... Uh, so that's nice. She's been posting a lot of like people, people liking the book. Mm -hmm. She's also been recommending another book, which I may read. Um, and uh, here's my fun fact about Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. According to an interview I read about her, read with, with her this week, Whoopi Goldberg, star of Sister Act, Sister Act 2, The Color Purple, 
the view ghost ghost uh that one roast of, rex the roast of herself where her boyfriend ted danson wore blackface oh uh whoopi goldberg has never eaten an egg <laughs> <laughs> the question let me find the exact uh the exact wording from this uh interview in the new york times um New York Times. I know. I thought that this was like a People or no. Us Weekly. This was like a an end of interview question. Obviously, she's mid to late in her career. Mm-hmm. She don't mess around with these dumb questions. Hey, is it true you've never eaten an egg? She responds, that's still the truth. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Spoken like a true wolf right there. She hasn't... Sorry, I walked away from the mic to discipline my dog. It was gentle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just lightly shoved him. It was more of a pet. Uh, so anyway, yeah, she, I can't believe she's must She's be. not saying she's allergic to eggs. No, she's just never eaten an egg. So I looked it up a little bit more to see if other people had <laughs> talked about this. Clearly, if the interviewer knew to ask it, the only thing I could find on page one of Google was that she is quoted as saying, I don't eat any food that's hiding something. <laughs> <laughs> so I assume she... What else would that? I don't know, like a stromboli, a crab. A, I don't know. She crab? said she Anything likes to eat, with shells. She likes to eat her food mm-hmm. naked. I guess that means the food is naked, but she's not. Maybe she is too. I don't know. Any food that. Time. If anybody has an answer to this, any food that comes out of a. I don't know. I don't know if it's related. Maybe that was a separate. Does food she eat artichokes? Oh, uh, they're pretty. I'm trying to formal. think what else is in, you have to like a calzone. Get into something to eat it, but like a basic ingredient, like yeah, an, an egg. egg. An egg is a is a base ingredient. Yeah, it's a it's a prime number, if you will. So any any seed, or or nut? Does she yeah. eat peanuts? <laughs> what of a sandwich with something hidden inside? <laughs> Ooh, what about all of those things that those tasty videos are, or which are like balls of. Fried macaroni with oozing chocolate inside. Oh my god, there's so many up. Is she just eating carrots? Does she eat molten chocolate cake? Is a banana hiding something? (laughs) Ooh, great question. Mm. Um, Well, that's fascinating and just adds to the rich tapestry that is Whoopi Goldberg. Indeed. I was thrilled to see this post because I, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, is one of my all-time favorite movies. It, it remains to one, this day. One could say that in our kitchen area, <laughs> we have an image of Whoopi in habit. It, yeah, one could say that there's a, a, a pop art style photograph of Whoopi in her 90s circular sunglasses, small circular sunglasses. And traditional nun's habit. And traditional nun's habit. One when she's could confronting say. the students on the... On the blacktop. Although in our layout, she's confronting our, our pans. Yeah, that are she's hanging confronting on the wall. our pots and pans. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I don't know what it was about Sister Act. I saw the first Sister Act. I loved it. I saw uh, the second Sister Act, and I loved it more. And every time we went to the video store, the Blockbuster at the time, I would request Sister Act, even if we had just gotten it the week before. I always wanted to see it. And I think, you know what? I say I don't know why, but I know why. I know why. Preach, Sister Amy. <laughs> Sister Mary Clarence. Sister Mary Clarence. Uh, Dolores Van Cartier. Oh, God. What a name. <laughs> uh, so, one, breaking into song. Huge triumphant songs that always have some great modulation in the middle. So triumphant, so joyful. Now that's the energy of a youth pastor. I, I love it. I love it. I watch it sometimes when I need to feel boosted up. You know, if poetry's not cutting it, if it's not getting through all the hard feelings, video of choral singing, gospel singing that modulates, that will. It almost always will. Uh-huh. So that's important. And that's a key element to both of those movies. I love sass. Uh-huh. I love, um, I love... I mean, uh, from what I'm getting, this is how you wish your life was lived. More outward sass that, sass that wasn't policed by polite society it's slash true. gender norms. More singing. More singing, more dancing. Um, more, like, 90s-style hip-hop breaks. Mm-hmm. More overalls. Ugh, more overalls. Um, uh, more, t- like, touching sign language in the back of yes. moving moments of songs. Um, Cherubims. 
Ah, seraphims. More inviting the Pope to watch you sing a song by the Supremes. I wonder if the current Pope has seen this movie. Uh, I hope Pope Francis has seen it. I think he seems like a decent fellow. Like he's trying and he's better than people in the past. Perhaps. And I think he could only be made better by by the Sister Act uh, the sisters duology act. yeah um my god what if that's your ascension to fame is you write sister act three well you know sister act went to broadway oh i did not it starred raven simone oh my <laughs> raven simone senior <laughs> 30 rock ref uh well anyway I, that's really all i have to say i just wanted to talk about yeah how so whoopi has written books yeah i did learn that in this thing uh, we haven't followed them. Her Instagram presence is not particularly uh, self-helpy or, no. or personal or authentic. It's mostly like her at work, her at pride. And I don't know what her relationship is with Oprah. Yeah. Not that it has... I do think a Wilf could exist that wasn't friends with Oprah or even didn't get along with Oprah. But she does seem like sort of Queen Wilf. Yeah. Whoopi is another thing. She based. I would suggest this interview. It's very interesting. She's very independent. Yeah. yeah she just. They ask her like, "Oh, do you like doing the View?" And she says, "It's my job." <laughs> I mean, I've seen clips of her on the View. I believe she farts on camera. Wow. She definitely like adjusts her clothes and talks to the cameraman. She's very loose. She's very just at her leisure, uh-huh. just doing her thing. I think she. I feel like she is someone, this is all assumption, I feel like she is someone who has had to struggle so much. I mean, to be a black female stand-up comedian at the time that she was, I feel like she has had to be so sort of singular and have so much inner drive that now that she is, she's egotted, she has reached her, like, her... Her great echelons of success. She has a steady job. She's financially stable. She's a mononym. We know her just by her first name. Exactly. That she is not... She's not trying to... I feel like she is someone beyond trying to impress yes, people. Yes, that is definitely the sense I got from this interview. And I, I really admire that. I mean, I think it's... I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to like put your best foot forward and try to impress people. But I also... There's something magnetic and sort of gravitational about people who are so have so figured out who yeah, they are very and who they are not yes i'm certainly striving for that mm-hmm. um all right all right so other than uh the brief interaction between liz gilbert and the one and only Whoopi goldberg Brene brown has also been on instagram this week she posted something called the Daring Feedback, the Engaged Feedback Checklist, a checklist of about 10 sentences that if you can check yes to, you know that you are ready to give feedback. I don't think we need to read all of them no. because it's fairly lengthy. But it seems like it would be a useful tool in a workplace. Yeah. Um, and my question for you, Amy, is when is a time you've given or received feedback that's memorable. Oh, Never. I have one very specifically um, that that sort of has influenced how I've perform- been been a performer since. And that was I was, and I believe I've talked to you about this, but I haven't talked about it on the podcast. Oh, our darling listeners. <laughs> um, I when I was a couple of years into improv. I was at a practice where we were practicing a hosting a show, which is a, pretty much if you do improv, hosting is the only time where you stand as yourself on stage, not as a, any sort of character, and face the audience and just try to relay a message to the audience while keeping them engaged and entertained. That you are, you are yourself, you have to have a give and take with the audience, you are not just doing a a tiny play that they are taking in it's uh if it it is hard because it feels more vulnerable in many ways and it feels like a challenge to take the the checklist of 
things you have to portray to the audience and make it dynamic to say, turn off your cell phones. Here's how you offer suggestions. You know, like, this is what we expect of you as an audience and this is what you can expect from our show. Getting through that list while staying upbeat and, and funny can really, really stress people out and definitely stress me out for a long time. And in this practice, I was handling that by... Uh, making self-deprecating jokes, which was what, for a long time, and some in many ways still socially, how I deal with discomfort and needing to win people over. I think it's a very quick way Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make people like you, is to like, you know... Look at me, I'm a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like gently, gently degrade yourself and make yourself unthreatening, but also reveal that you're funny. Yep. Um... And so I was doing that, and Ashley Melzer, uh, who is awesome and uh, was coaching me at the time, took me aside and said, Amy, you're not allowed to uh, be self-deprecating anymore when you're hosting. And I was like, what? Mm, That was my I love that quick delivery. Yeah, it was, the feedback was really direct, it was really clear, and it it And it was meant to elevate you. Yeah, it, it broke no argument. It yeah. was not a debate. It was yeah. not a suggestion, even. It was, it, she was my coach, and she was telling me exactly the change I needed to make to become good at what I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, and it was hard. It was something that made me feel a little bit attacked. <laughs> Did you go through that phase of, like, where do, where does she get off telling me that? I can't believe, I'm not, I don't, oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A little bit. I felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed that she had called me out. And I, I think other people saw because it was like an open practice and we were all taking turns and she was giving us all notes. And a lot of the notes are, you know, like, don't twist your fingers, don't pace back and forth on the stage, you know, plant, yeah. your, plant your feet, keep your chin up, project. But to me, it was, you cannot, you're not allowed to be self-deprecating anymore. And that, I think, the confidence and directness with which she delivered that message was made it great feedback the clarity of the feedback and the usefulness yeah that it was it made me it has made me a better host I feel extremely confident hosting and she also gave me she followed up with a solid reason Mm -hmm. which was that I am asking the audience to trust me with the show and if I say please don't hurt my feelings by not laughing. Oh, I'd be so sad if your phone rang. Right. Like, I, we hope we do a good job for you. I'm not instilling confidence that the money they paid is worth it. Right. And I'm not setting themselves them up to laugh. I'm setting them up to be skeptical. And so while I think self-deprecation can have its moments, it I don't use it anymore. It sounds like... Um, in that way. Yeah, Ashley followed Brene's... Mantra for giving feedback. Clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. Ah, that is very true. And you followed the mantra for receiving feedback. Be brave. Listen. You can take what's helpful and leave the rest. Although her feedback was so short, you could only take it. (laughs) Take it, yeah. Stay brave, awkward, and kind, friends. It it is always awkward to receive challenge, like feedback that is a direct challenge to something you've just done. And giving feedback to somebody you consider a friend also very yes so when is it when is the time you have given or received feedback um uh back in january i was went on a couple online dates like one each weekend with a different guy and two weekends in a row i got the feedback kind of a a casual comment but i took his feedback that when i talked about my job i talked as if i was at a job interview talking about my previous job Mm. And like, I like sat up and I realized when the first guy told me, I was like, oh, I I did kind of sit up straight and I had just kind of been monologuing for a while. I am very passionate about my job and it's a little confusing. So it takes some explanation. And rather than allow him to ask questions in like more of a conversational tone, he'd ask, I'd answer. Instead, I just answered every question I thought he was going to ask before he could. Mm -hmm. So it ended up being a three paragraph long answer, (laughs) which is hard for anybody to sustain attention to, but especially if you feel like you aren't that interested whatever so yeah when I heard it the second time I was like oh address this test <laughs> and I, it was it was very good feedback it it smarted a little bit because I was like yeah. oh do I do this in other times this is one of my common doubts that I have about my or judgments that I have about myself is that I I 
I talk and intellectualize as a way to, I don't know, fill time or space or podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, but it was good feedback, and I've it has influenced how I've talked about my job in the future. I do feel like that's an incredibly mo- inc- an incredibly vulnerable moment to receive feedback yeah. is on a date when you're saying, "Hi, please get to know me," and it would be awesome if you liked me in a way that it's different from how you like everyone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, neither of these dates led in, led to second dates. Um, and I also want like over talking or over being over. Yeah, over talking about a job. If another person is not very secure in their job, it can it can feel quite intimidating. I think so. That yeah. may have been part of it. I feel like we received feedback on two ends of the same spectrum, which is you are perceiving in that. I assume that you make you start to sort of make an argument for your job when you perceive that people are going to be like, "What does that mean? Yeah. Why would you do that? Why is that necessary?" Yeah, I work in a educational paradigm outside of schools, so it's often coming from a defensive position yeah it's not something everyone's familiar with and it's different from what they did and so they push back and so you are trying to cut that off by like (coughs) over explaining it and and be in asserting your confidence and your certainness about every aspect of it as opposed to like i am expecting people to not laugh or to I'm worried that people disengage and not laugh right. at my show. And so to cut that off, I call out instead of, I sort of did the opposite of saying like, I think you might do this, but please don't. Right. Um, as if that will embarrass them out of doing it right. or endear, the, endear myself to them out of doing it. When yeah. it's, there's like a happy middle ground where you, which is Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Yeah, which this, is this is me. I've never eaten an egg. I have nothing to prove to you, right? Because I've already proven it all to myself. Yeah, um, yeah which I think is sort of you don't over-explain yourself, but you are you are clear and direct. Yeah, and self-possessed. And that's what Ashley was trying to get you to be as well. Yeah, yeah. I was coming from the confident and overconfident, and you were coming from the underconfident end. Yeah, yeah. And here we meet in the middle, trying to be wolves. But yeah, I think the part, I think the big takeaways from this post are what you called out, which is um, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. That like, um, as much as you might be trying to spare someone's feelings by talking around what you really mean, that always makes it more confusing and painful and drawn out. And I turn to the immortal uh, lyric of our Wilf Lizzo. Mm. Oh, Truth hurts. Oh, I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just grunting about Lizzo. Well, one of her songs, Truth Hurts, mm-hmm. it's a good, also a little good mantra. It is. Go, go little mommy. Uh, <laughs> uh, so stay brave, awkward, and kind. Yay, always. Um, oh, this is nice. I just looked down Brene Brown. She has a little post about the U.S. Women's National Team, and at the end of the comment, she writes, and thank you, Netherlands, for a great game. Aw. Nice. All right. Uh, All right. So uh, our penultimate section, we are going to investigate a new wolf, a potential wolf. I have a feeling she's not. We'll find out. (laughs) But mostly I just want to direct our attention there so that we can, um, you know, mine it for our own game. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look up a woman named Cheryl Richardson. Opportunistic wolf taker inners. That's right. I was in Maine last week on vacation with my family and in the house was a book called Extreme Self-Care by life coach and author Cheryl mm-hmm. Richardson. Uh, and it was pretty good. It's kind of just a distilled version of everything you've ever heard about self-care mm-hmm. interspersed with some of her personal stories. And at the end she had a section that appealed to me called the No Longer List. And it was a list of things she was no longer going to do. Um, because these things were tangible ways that her life was not good and a tangible way that she was not caring for herself. For example, things like, I no longer do my own taxes. I pay somebody else to do them, was one of hers. I no longer jump out of bed in the morning. I allow myself to luxuriate in the newness of the morning. And Mm -hmm. I thought this was an easy exercise that we could try um, Mm -hmm. and a way to connect some grand self-help gestures to our own life. 
Yeah. So, Amy, what is on your no longer list? Should I, are we going to go back and forth or should I just go through my whole little list? It's a short list. Uh, Let's go back and forth. Okay. And we don't need that much explanation, I guess. Okay. Uh, One thing that I decided I would no longer do when I was thinking about this is I will no longer plug my phone in next to my bed. I will plug it in across the room. Nice. Um, I will no longer, in conversations, nod like I know something is going on if I don't know what's going on. Like if there is a reference or a political thing that's mentioned, I won't go, "Uh uh-huh, as a way to just, you know, obscure my own ignorance. I will say, what's that? And follow up. Um, This is related to the first one. Uh, I will no longer press snooze. Oh. It, that's going to be very, very challenging for me. But if you, I don't know, if you re-say it each day, possibility becomes... Yeah, closer. I think I will be better off if I do not continue to sleep in an hour past when mm. my alarm starts to go off. Um, I no longer buy or wear clothes that I don't love. Ooh. And I wrote love with an underline. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I, I need to think about a lot of mine were around bedtime. Ooh, um, I will no longer, this is really hard. These are all things that I think will be really hard for me, but I will no longer seek out the social media accounts of people who hurt my feelings. Nice. Um, you mean well, like people from your past? Yeah. I think uh, that includes exes, uh, people who have political opinions that really upset me. Current partners of exes. Current partners of exes. That's a real slippery slope. <laughs> Current partners of exes with political beliefs you don't agree and, with. And, um... Uh, uh, communal abusers. <laughs> Great point. Yeah. Um, I will no longer uh, do all of my shopping and cooking for the week on the same day. I got into this routine where I did all of my food shopping and all of my food prep for the week on Sundays, and it just like took over my whole Sunday, and I started to dread it. So I will space those out and maybe do more cooking during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I... This is one that I did for a long time, and then I, I stopped doing, but I want to get back on the train. Uh, and uh, it's also similar to the last one. I will no longer go on Facebook any day other than Tuesday. All right. Yep. Back on it. Um, as a person who's been off Facebook for a couple months, it's great. Um, but I make sure that Instagram still has all my data, just to be clear, because, <laughs> you know. You want um, those pics? Yeah. Um, I no longer finish books I don't like. This was a big... I went through a big struggle in my my book packing for my main trip. Mm -hmm. And Amy had to really talk me down from bringing books I didn't want or worrying about books I didn't like. I started to read Dune by Frank Herbert in Maine. I'd been wanting to read it for a long time, and I just did not like it. It was too complicated, and that was okay. So I put it down, and I read a romance novel novel that Amy had lent me called Garden Spells by... Sarah Addison Allen and of it was North Carolina. Cute and lovely. And I felt much better about myself in the world than struggling up this mountain of dune. <laughs> uh, great. I know I had one more. And, uh, but it's something I will no longer do. Mm. Uh, when I will no longer, uh, pretend to want to um I will no longer pretend that I might run a 5k nice yeah there was there's a number of thanksgivings and christmases in a row where every single one of my cousins my brother my (coughs) sister-in-law everyone was talking about the marathons half marathons and charity runs that they were doing and how we should do a big family one at some point maybe a a a turkey trot. A 10-miler, a, a 5K, or something where you can run a half marathon or a 5K, you know, one of these things. And they'd be like, we can all get an Airbnb for the week. We'll get matching shirts. Blah, blah, blah. And I'd always play along. Like, I was going to train for a 5K and do it. And I have no... I don't... As much as I would like to exercise more and find new ways to be active, I am done pretending that that way will ever be running yeah don't let somebody else's dreams ruin your life (laughs) yeah exactly yeah um so i'm done pretending like i'm ever going to run nice um (laughs) 
last one for me, I will no longer, uh, well, I wrote deny myself nature. Hmm. So sometimes when I'm like feeling down or I've been in the house too long, I'm like, oh, I should get out. No, no, I should stay inside. I just like, all these doubts come out and like, just go to nature. Just, just go to it. go to Clark Park. It's around the corner. I always feel better. You don't know which corner. <laughs> There's so many. <coughs> and you don't know how Clark is spelled. There's a Q. Um, <laughs> and uh, just like get there. Touch a plant. Touch yeah. one of my indoor plants, which are mostly dying. Oh, yeah. We both looked longingly at the dead one. It's, it's got like three green fronds. Yeah. Um, so we invite you to think of your own no longer list. Yeah, if anyone wants to engage with us on social media... Feel free to comment Ooh. with your no with anything from your no longer list. Yeah, uh, I that yeah that was a call to action I didn't expect. Ooh. Surprise myself. All right, we've come to the end. It's time for <whistles> wolf whistle. Uh, so, what was your wolf whistle last week, Tess? My wolf whistle was how do you spend a long solo car ride? And then you did a long I solo did it, car ride, and I. Uh, what I did was listen to a lot of podcasts and mm-hmm. music, and I adjusted my seat so I was a little more comfortable. And for half of one of the legs, uh, the thigh, if you will, mm-hmm. I rode with my cousin Alice, and it was great. Alice is a total wilf, and she's a witch. She's yeah. a double wilf. Wilfed. <laughs> yeah. She'll be on here one day, I hope. Oh, anyway. I hope so. Yeah. So you cracked it. Yeah. And what's your wolf whistle this oh, week? my wolf whistle this week is... I'm curious, how do you, if you have any of you, break up with a friend? Mm. It's a something that's come up before, and not planning to do it anytime soon. But uh, I think it's a, a gap in our society, especially among female friends. How to like kindly, yeah, gracefully give that feedback um, in a way that honors and separates. Mm. So I'm curious if any of them have done that. Uh, that's a very hard question. Yeah. Uh, my wolf whistle last week was wishing the wolves, uh, stamina and expressing my gratitude for their philanthropy and hard work, uh, around, uh, the border crisis and children detained at the border and families separated at the border and people detained at the border in general. And so I hope that that receipt was reached. I hope they felt that. Uh, but also a little bit of, of wolf reverb is that when I was reading a book uh, this week called Altruism by Mathieu Ricard, um, which I'm very, very slowly reading about five pages a week until the end of time because it's a very <laughs> thick book. Uh, I read a really inspiring thing about how um, empathy fatigue is very real and makes it very hard to continue to do good work for suffering people. I mean, you can, but you burn out and need to take breaks. And one way to treat empathy fatigue and uh, be less fatigued is to meditate on compassion. And it changes how your brain perceives suffering in others. It makes you experience love rather than pain um, and lights up different parts of your brain. And it energizes you to act more empathy energizes you to act, but it's a it's a much more taxing energy. Um, so I found that really enlightening and inspiring, and I hope this will lead into my new wolf whistle. I want to start trying to do loving kindness slash compassion meditation because I often feel um, what the book calls emotional contagion and empathy fatigue. I soak up other people's feelings like a sponge and become a sponge, which is immobile. Um, and just drenched. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> ew. Um, with emotion. Yeah, with tears. tears. <laughs> um, so <laughs> um, I would like to start practicing and training my brain to uh, perceive suffering in a more activated way. Uh, so I'm going to try to start doing loving kindness meditation. So my question to Wilfs is, are any of you good at actually starting new habits and having Ooh, them stick? Good question. You might not be. Just because you're a wolf doesn't mean that you know how to do that. But if you do, 
send me a message through the ether and yeah. help me start a good habit. Yeah. Um, I, if anyone out there knows how to start a good habit. So many calls to action. A new call to action. <laughs> Comment on our Instagram. At Wilf Podcast. And send us an email. Yeah. Wilfpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you in a fortnight. Not the video game. We don't do that. <laughs> bye bye. Woo.